Hello, I am John Barons and welcome to the Life Changes channel. I'd really love to hear your opinion and your feedback on the stuff that I'm doing with the podcast and the support groups and the magazine and all the other things. Just for completing a really quick survey that just takes a couple minutes, I'm going to enter your name in a draw, multiple draws for multiple gift cards that you can win just for telling me what you think. Link is in the show notes. Thank you. Life comes with many changes. Some are expected, some are unexpected, some positive, some challenging, but you don't have to navigate them alone. There are people who care and want to help. You're in the right place because I'm here to connect you with them. What is your next step? Making choices that involve change can be difficult. Where can you find the resources who have answers for your questions? Our team of experts and professionals can help you make informed decisions with less stress to help you manage these changes in your life easier. You'll also meet people just like you who share their stories to encourage you not to give up. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thank you for joining me today on the Life Changes channel podcast where we'll cover topics around life changes that you might be facing in your career and education, health, finances, relationships, parenting, aging, real estate, lifestyle, loss, and personal growth. This show started out as a Divorce Magazine Canada podcast, but so much of the content could also apply even if you aren't dealing with a divorce or separation. So now it's Life Changes Channel. There will still be lots of information to support you or someone you care about who is dealing with divorce or separation. I encourage you to go back and meet all the incredible guests in the earlier episodes. There is so much gold there. And hey, did you know we have a YouTube channel, a new Life Changes channel, and free magazines with articles from our team available across much of Alberta, as well as on our website, lifechangesmag.com. We also hold online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome. Check out the links in the show notes and be sure to join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. You're about to meet a very interesting man. John Behrens is now an author and he has taken inspiration from the teens that he met when he spent years in the school system as a psychologist and a counselor. The kids that he was working with were experiencing life in broken homes, in divorce and separation. And he took those inspirations and created stories that help us understand better what they were experiencing. And these kids, when they were in groups with him, they didn't feel so alone when they met other kids that had similar experiences. This is really fascinating. Let's meet him. Welcome, John. This It's just a pleasure to have you here with me today. Um, I'm going to have, you're going to have to carry the show today because as you can tell, I don't have much of a voice. So um, this interview isn't about me anyways. This is about you, the work you've done, the book that you've written, which is phenomenal. And I am a lucky recipient of a couple copies. And uh, for anybody that goes to our YouTube channel, they can see this uh, copy that I'm showing them and they can have a look and be able to find that 
we will also include links in the show notes so that they can get a copy for themselves. So welcome, John. Um, I, I'm really very interested in your story and what led you to write this book and do the work that you do. So please tell us all about yourself and uh, how this all came about. Okay. Just a little bit about myself. Um, I started out in graduate school in a clinical psychology program. And when I did my internship for my clinical psych program up at Oakland University up in Michigan, I was in a setting where I had access to a school and I just preferred to work with the young kids. So after I finished that program, I went back to the University of Cincinnati and picked up the coursework I needed to work in schools as a school psychologist. Um, real early in my career as a school psychologist, <clears throat> I just noticed that a disproportionate number of kids I was seeing were from divorced, uh, separated, or, or, or single-parent families. Uh, now, as a school psychologist, the majority of my time was spent doing evaluations. So I really did not have a whole lot of opportunity to see kids individually or to run groups and that kind of thing. But I, that, that's where I was pulled. And after five years working as a school psychologist, I went back and got my PhD in school psychology. And the pull was still there by about nine years into working as a, as a school psychologist. And, and it's a great profession, but I was just, I was constantly being pulled towards working with kids individually. And when you work as a school psychologist, at least in my setting, a lot of it was doing evaluations for special education and moving on. And again, while I was doing that, um, there's an organization in the Cincinnati area called Beach Acres, who was at the time running a variety of programs around the city for kids from divorce. They called them divorce groups. And they ran them out of churches, out of community centers and things like that. And they offered training to run these particular groups, which I think it was about my third year of practice. I went to their training. And from then on in, I started running uh, uh, divorce groups in schools. Now, as I, when I was working as a school psychologist, I didn't have much opportunity to do it. But 10 years into it, um, I said, I, I don't really want to do this anymore. So I did what many of my colleagues thought was uh, career suicide and changed from being a psychologist to being a school counselor. But I'd worked in schools enough you know, that I knew that school counselors in middle schools or junior highs really had the opportunity to work with kids. Unfortunately, high school counselors are involved an awful lot with, you know, getting kids off to college and counting credits and all that crazy stuff. And that, that just wasn't my, my thing at all. So I, I was lucky. I landed a job in a really good uh, suburban district in Cincinnati. At that point in time, the school was a junior high. Uh, so we had uh, seventh, eighth and ninth graders. And um, shortly, about five years, five or six years into it, they, they started the movement to middle schools, which was sixth, seventh and eighth graders. So then I spent 22 years in that district working with with either junior high for about the first eight or nine. And then 20, the rest, the remainder of my time was spent working with with uh, with middle school students. So now I got to see lots of kids individually. And it, it, again, that which, that which I had noticed early on in my career that I was seeing lots of kids, you know, and the kids were coming in for behavior issues. They were coming in because they were anxious. They were coming in because they were depressed. Some of them were coming in for academic issues. And frequently what you found 
was the root of the issue was the turmoil that was going on in the home, which frequently centered around mom and dad's mom and dad going their separate ways or, or heading in that direction. So I just started running those things. I started seeing more kids individually and I really found the groups were so much better than, than being seen, seeing kids individually. Um, and, and my re the reason I, the, the reason that, or how that came upon me, because it, when I would run groups and this was all, all the years I did it, you know, you always end your group at the end of the school year and you kind of do a little evaluation with the kids. What'd you like? What didn't you like? Was this useful? Wasn't this useful? What would you change? All those kinds of questions you ask them. And I constantly heard from them. I always thought I was alone until I was in this group setting. I didn't realize that Susie over there had it way worse than I had it or Mark on this side of the room, boy, he, he, he didn't have it so bad or whatever. And he just, they just, there was a, there was a camaraderie of coming together amongst the group. Um, I always found it interesting because when I worked for Oak Hills, uh, the, the, the large public school system, you know, we had anywhere, well, it was a junior high, we had 300 some kids at current grade level. When we turned to middle schools, we hit between two and 220 about per grade level. So when you get, assemble a group of eight to 12 kids, sometimes none of those kids knew each other very well. You might have two kids that knew each other. They knew they might have known each other's names, but to say they really knew each other, that just really didn't exist in most in most groups. But by the end of the year, you'd be surprised the, the, the friendships that it formed because they had a common bond. Doesn't mean that they hung out on weekends or they were on the same basketball or volleyball team. But but there was a there was a there was a friendship and a, and a camaraderie that developed between those kids. Uh, therefore, I was really sold on the whole group thing. Um, you know, it, it just plain it just plain worked. Um, my last eight years when I worked, because I retired out of the public school system after 32 years. And uh, in Ohio, you retire because you're working for nothing because the pension is pretty darn good. <laughs> so, so I retired. And and uh, then I went to work and I sat home for two years and was getting bored to tears. And a good friend of mine called me and said she had this job in a, in a, in a parochial school. Uh, I was actually being hired by a public school entity and placed in a parochial school. And I worked there for eight years part-time, immediately started running the, the, the groups again, immediately saw the, the, the kids individually again. And, you know, I, it was just a mirror image of what I saw in, in, in the public school. Lots of kids running around, lots of kids mad, lots of kids angry, lots of kids upset. Um, and, and, and so much of it stemmed from what was going on around the, around the families. Um, when I when I got to the book, how did I get to write the book? Well, one of the one of my one of my dreams, which never occurred, was I wanted the kids in one of my groups to write chapters for the book book that they would write letters or something, and we'd assemble it into a book. And I had a really good group that I was kind of convincing to do that, convincing them to do that. And then COVID hit, and they all went home, and uh, I never saw them again. Um, the only, the only way I saw any of those kids again, and, that, and in my 32 or 40, 40 years of running groups, that, that last group I was probably closer to than any group I've ever run. Uh, they're all seniors in high school this year. Um, but they would continue to come back and visit me. Uh, two of their names are on the back of the book. They reviewed the book for me. But again, I, I was kind of caught with, well, okay, these kids for years have told me I always felt that they were alone. They always felt that they were alone. But the flip side of that coin was 
if I'm in a school of, I'll go back to the 220, or let's just round it off to 200 that I saw in the public school setting. If close to 50% of their those families came from a split up family, and I was seeing maybe a couple groups a year, 24 kids a year, I wasn't seeing a small fraction of the kids who probably would have benefited. So what can I do to reach some of those other kids? So I started writing stories. Uh, it, it wasn't hard for me. Uh, it, you know, it, it all just came out. I mean, I, I, I have a thousand experiences that I've, that I've seen from kids over the years. Uh, none of the stories in the book are, are based on any one kid. That's all a little pick from this kid, pick from that kid and, and put it down on paper. And it really was easy to me, even though I never considered myself a writer. Um, it, it, it just kind of flowed. And so when I when I got done with the book, besides taking it to a number of professionals, meaning some teachers, some psychologists, some social workers to say, you know, is this is this worth it? Is this useful? I also took it to some students uh, who at that point in time, I guess they were sophomores in high school. Yeah. And and I said, read this. And I, <clears throat> they got back to me and they said, I went, you know, a number of them said, I wish I had this when I was younger. Uh, this this is useful. How can we get this book out there? So we went through the process of, of, of getting it out there. Um, and and that, that's in a, in a nutshell, that's how, how I kind of got from being a school psychologist to hit a, a stronger desire to see individual kids or see kids in groups and running programs with kids. But most of my time was spent doing traditional school psychology things to getting to a point where my job was to see kids working in the counseling role. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Uh, probably wouldn't have retired when I did. Uh, this is my second year in retirement, but uh, there were some family things going on with an elderly mom. So we retired. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's where we are at this point in time. <laughs> Beautiful gift to have not only the skill, but that pull to serve kids in that place. And unfortunately, like you've identified, there's a very high percentage of kids <clears throat> that are experiencing this and could use that kind of support. Mm -hmm. I find it really interesting that a group setting was so beneficial to them, you know, that they really felt they could connect and understand that they aren't alone in that, you know, feeling shame and guilt or, embarrassment you know whatever that might be that struggle that they're in well you know the group also empowered our kid empowered kids because first of all not only were you giving them skills of how to cope and what to do and how to handle it mom was doing this or dad was doing that or you had dad's girlfriend to deal with or mom's boyfriend to deal with or now we live in this crummy little apartment where we used to live in this nice home and you're working through all those things and teaching them to cope but, but you also empowered them to give their ideas to the other kids in the group. You know, they weren't, I mean, the best group meetings were the ones where I talked the least. Oh. Uh, so, you know, you, you were really were empowering kids. And this didn't happen early in the year. It, you know, it took time throughout. Because we would, when I would run these groups in schools, we would generally meet twice, twice a month uh, for, the, for the length of the school year. So we would meet somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20 times throughout the course of a school year. 
Um, and you, you, could, you could see the kids grow. You could see the kids grow in confidence. You could see the kids uh, look at somebody across the group and, and, and say, have you ever thought of doing this? This is what I did when my, when my dad's girlfriend started acting this way. Or, or sometimes when I feel down, you know, I lose myself in my music. I put on my, in my earbuds and I just kind of, that's how I chill. So they would give each other ideas and, and that in itself was 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 a benefit it wasn't you know there were other things which you kind of go into a group you, you don't know what's going to come out of it and uh, that was that was kind of cool i enjoyed watching that that's amazing i love how you say that the best meetings were the ones where you talked the least because oh, yeah. that that was that's a testament to the environment that you created for them that they could yeah. trust each other be vulnerable be supportive and it mm -hmm. is empowering when you see that something that you share from that space is is helpful to someone else yeah i i i'd like to think they learned a lot not only about the divorce but about themselves one of the now this didn't happen a whole lot of times but but it happened occasionally i, I would get a call from a parent at the end of the year and, and and this is not to beat up on people that do individual therapy, but they would say, you know, I had my kid in, in, in private counseling for eight months and it didn't do squat. And I can tell a change in them since they've been attending this group at school. And, you know, you pat yourself on your back and you say, well, and, you know, it, I, I've. A complete aside, but I also I volunteered for eight years in, a, in an organization that worked with grieving kids when they when they had somebody significant in their family die. And I didn't work with the kids. I worked with the parents in that, in that particular organization. Other people worked with the kids and parents would constantly, and again, it, it ran for about nine months throughout a year. It started in September and ended the first week in June. And, and uh, parents would talk about, about how their kids had changed in their grieving process uh, over the course of, 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 of the year. And again, I kept, I would constantly tell the parents, it's the power of the group. It's the power of the group. I, I firmly believe in that. I, I saw it with the divorce group for a ton of years. I saw it in the, in the grieving groups with this organization in Cincinnati, which I worked, which I volunteered with for 10 years. I saw it there also. There's just something about knowing that I'm not alone out in this boat in the middle of the ocean by myself. It just, it just makes a huge, huge difference. Plus how you came up with the title of the book. It says the title of the book is My Name Is. Well, <laughs> I start I started the chapter that way. I started the first the first couple chapters and wrote the first couple stories and I and I and I I started them the same way. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> I think I got something here. And then I and I and I kept thinking, well, I should start the next one a different way. And it it all they all started the same way. So it was just easy. It was an easy way for me to get started to write each, each, each chapter. Um, it's interesting. After I wrote the book, I, I took it to a good friend of mine who is a, she's published uh, probably a dozen or more young adult um, historical nonfiction books. And I took it to her and, and she read it and she says she really liked it. She says, but you ought to, you ought to turn each one of these chapters into a, into a book in and of itself um so that's a little beyond my skill level I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it, it, it she's and we were sitting there she says what are you going to call it and I says I'm not so sure but I'm thinking about my name is she's oh that works and we just kind of stuck with it you know I bounced you know again 
after the book was written, I think there were 12 different professionals that I had read it before I even thought about having it, having it published. And because, uh, you know, as I said, I never considered myself a writer and I didn't want to make a fool of myself. So so um, I, I got constant pats on the back. Yeah, this works. This works. And the cover was fun because a lady who I worked with, um, her daughter happened to go to Xavier University in Cincinnati in graphic arts. And I knew this kid because she went through the school. So I called this young lady up and I said, hey, you want to design a cover for me? And in about two weeks, she sent me three and I didn't like them. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, well, I like part of one of the ones she said, I said, I said, work on this and put this. I threw an idea at her and she came back with that one. And my wife and I both looked at it. And we said, this works. And uh, it as far as I'm concerned, it works. So, so it was. So I'm curious <laughs> to know. I'm curious to know, John, what has happened? Like, this is quite a new book. Yeah. What has happened, though, in your life and in the lives of people that you have shared this with now? Well, um, several people are using the book. Several several counselors, therapists, psychologists are using it. Uh, the book has had, it's been an inter interesting to watch its acceptance. Because people who work in the in the in the in the people professions, meaning counselors, teachers, uh, psychologists, nurses, um, they have been nothing but but praise for it. A number of people who have nothing to do, they're married themselves, they they're, they're, but they're who are in the business world. Some of them have no idea why I wrote it. <laughs> you know, there and a few people I know who have read it who themselves have been divorced. They, a couple of them, were a little bit taken aback. And yet another person I know who read it, who happens to be an MD, he wrote a really nice review for me, and I didn't ask him to. Uh, he wrote a really nice review, and he he'd been divorced uh, fifteen years or so. And one of his comments in his review is this book made me think back to why my daughter maybe was the way she was when, when I was going through my divorce. And I thought, ha, that's it. Yes. But I said some people, you know, were, who oh, I know who were divorced, who read it, they were like, eh, I think it made them feel uncomfortable. That's okay. <laughs> and other, you know, and other people who were just don't work with people a whole lot. <laughs> they couldn't quite understand why why it was read why it was written like mm -hmm. well okay well why what what does this make a difference what'd you write this for and one one guy said you know these stories are all sad why would anybody want to read this <laughs> i said well they're, they're supposed to be sad because sometimes kids go through some real crummy situations yeah have you had a feedback from other kids other than the ones that reviewed it um, not many, no. And, and, and the difficulty I'm having right now is getting the book out to teens. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, uh, I'm trying to find somebody who can do the social media, to be honest with you, do the social media publication for me because public publici publicizing for me, because I am not comfortable or feel skilled at all in doing that kind of thing. So I, I, know, I know the majority of things that have sold have been sold to adults. Uh, although the, my primary audience when I wrote it was teens. Um, so uh, I've got a couple 
couple irons in the fire for hopefully in the next couple months we can get some things off the ground because I know you know I get I've, I've read numerous things and I've talked to people and everybody says you want to sell out the teens you got to get on TikTok and it's got to be on talk books and I just yeah. uh, I'm not terribly comfortable with doing that myself you know mm-hmm. so I'm lo- I'm looking for assistance in that area but as another friend who is an, an author who wrote a book on Alzheimer's told me, and her book did not sell very well for several years. And then okay. at one point in time, her somebody picked it up who um, um, was a nurse that worked on an Alzheimer's floor. And she put it out to her professional chat group. And overnight, she sold several thousand copies. So... I know that it's there. I know that it's good. I've been told it's good for enough by enough people, but it's it. it Christine keeps telling me, John, give it time. It, sometimes it takes yeah. people several years, and she said to get legs. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to be patient. Yes, and it is quite new. So, um, you know, my audience will also hear about it, and mm-hmm. I've shared it with um, some youth workers as well. So, you know, we'll, this has no borders. Kids, kids and how they are affected by divorce has no borders because i mean you're joining us from the u.s i'm in canada this is relevant to kids everywhere everywhere doesn't matter where you are yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i love that go ahead <laughs> go ahead you know, so you know i i it just um I'm, I'm doing a conference um actually next week, next Tuesday up in Columbus, it's called the All Ohio Conference. And uh, it's a conference primarily attended by private counselors, school counselors, social workers, psychologists, that type of, those types of people. And and I'm I'm doing a session up there and I'm doing it on running the groups. And, um, you know, as I was preparing my my, my thing, I, I just keep trying to emphasize that issue of sometimes you're the only person these kids have to go to. Um, And, Something which, working with middle school students, you know, that 13 to, you know, 14, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kid, um, junior high, middle school, they don't go to moms and dads to talk for the most part. They sometimes have their maybe one good friend and you'd be surprised how many of them have a, have a good friend that they don't even talk to about the stuff that means a whole lot to them, you know, and, 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 um, the group type thing is an outlet for them, you know, and, and I'm, again, I'm not beating up on individual counseling, but I mean, I, I've worked in the schools long enough and worked with kids long enough and not even about divorce. If you've got a kid that you think needs to go to a, to a, to a therapist or counselor, whatever you want to call them. Um, so often kids see that as mom or dad are making me do that. Mm. They're sending me to Dr. So-and-so. And so, even though you can have some really skilled people out there, sometimes that door is shut before they even get into the they, before they even give it a shot. Right. But pulling them in with a, a group of kids and you know you have donuts for them if it's in the morning, you know, silly stuff like that to make them feel comfortable. Uh, it, it just makes a difference. And again, the another reason you know it works is is so many of these kids over the years, you know, they're in the group and. Then uh, sometimes on the off weeks, you look up and who's standing at your door, but one of those youngsters, because something happened the night before and they just want to unload or sometimes they just want to come in. So I, 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 I think it works. 
I, I have confidence that it works. I hope that we can eventually get the book out to the kids um, because um, I think kids reading it can realize that again, I'm not alone in this in this in this mess. Um, and you know, even in, in the other thing, which a lot of I think parents don't get, um, is that the way the youngsters adapt to whatever the situation is, which caused the split up, it changes as the kids change. Um, I'm going to give you a for instance. Um, let's say mom and dad split up when 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 the youngster is is five or six years old, and let's say it was a reasonably civil divorce and they have the custody arrangement and i'll give you a typical one for down here is you know you visit dad every every wednesday and every other weekend and and those things can be pretty and the kids sometimes adapt quite well to that and then suddenly they hit about age 12 or 13 those visits aren't so much fun anymore when they're, when they're, and not, I'm not, not everybody, but for a lot of kids, when there's five or six or seven, you can go to dad's and go to McDonald's, or you can go out to a movie, or you can go play putt-putt, or you can do this, that, or whatever. And suddenly you get a little bit older, and those things aren't so much fun anymore. And suddenly you're at dad's on Sunday afternoons, or it could be mom's, I don't mean to be picking on dad here. And, 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 and there's nothing to do. Or if you've got two or three kids, as I pointed out in one of the stories, and I've heard this numerous times for kids, you've got kids with a reasonable age span and they're all going to visit dad. And what the little one wants to do, the old one wants nothing to do with. And when, when maybe when the divorce occurred and the little one was real little and the old one was six or seven, it was okay. But now you got a 14-year-old and an eight-year-old that don't want to do the same things when they go visit dad. And that can cause strain, which wasn't seen in the past. And sometimes the parents have a difficult under time understanding that. And sometimes the kids don't understand. They, they know they don't like it, but they don't know why they don't like it. Well, you know, you're, you're not putt-putt isn't that much fun anymore. You're 14. You'd rather go hang out with your buddies. Or, you know, the, again, a real common thing which happens when kids get to be a little bit older is, is uh, and this occurs more likely if mom and dad don't live real close to each other. Um, you know, I go to school here and here's where all my friends are and it's Friday night and they want to do this mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to go visit dad every other weekend and dad's 45 minutes away. And dad isn't real nice about allowing mom to switch weekends or left time. Here I am picking on dads again. Um, but mom isn't, isn't good about letting, letting them switch weekends. Or maybe it's two weekends in a row that I want to be doing stuff with my friends. Or maybe I'm on a team and dad can't get me there. Those, those kind of issues come up all the time. And sometimes parents don't get why those issues are such a big issue because they weren't an issue maybe a couple of years ago, but now they are. So all those things come up. That's why I, I think doing these kinds of groups for, because you know, um, middle school age is just, most people think you're crazy if you like working in middle schools. I totally enjoyed working in middle schools. Um, I remember I, I, for a while I taught at the university level and, and, and we, I taught developmental psych for a while and a couple of times and, and, and uh, we get to adolescence and I always introduced it. I said, this is not a developmental period, it's a disease. And uh, 
you know, um, everybody who who's worked with kids kind of chuckles at that because they get it. I mean, kids are a little crazy at that time and you have to get them through that point. Uh, and divorce can split ups, whatever, whatever the case may be. And, and a lot of times it's un, unmarried situations, which is something we didn't see as much of back in the 80s and 90s as we see now. Because I've had many kids in my group who are in the group because mom and dad never got married. Dad was around for a year or two after they had the child and dad took off. And maybe is never in the picture anymore. But that causes another another whole host of issues. You know, I never see dad. Dad never comes to dads and donuts at school because I haven't seen dad in 10 years. Um, you know, so it's just, and those things just become I think they become, I hate to use the word inflamed, but I can't think of a better word. They they just become a bigger issue, I think, sometimes when kids get to that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade age level. Um, I for When I was working as a school psychologist many moons ago, I, I did have a high school that I had to serve, and I ran a few divorce groups in high school. And a lot of the issues settled down a little bit. And I think part of that is, and again, I don't have a whole lot of experience with the high school kids, but I think part of it was, is, is, is they're old enough to be out of the house. They're gone. If there's something that's making them uncomfortable or angry or whatever, they take off with their friends. They go to their part-time job. They're in organizations or clubs or whatever activities they have going on at their school. So it's a whole lot easier to get away from it. And they're getting ready for that next step when they're 17 or 18 years old versus when they're 14 or 15 or 13. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different ballgame. Yeah, it is such a tough age. And my heart has always had a soft spot for the teens as well. I just feel like even if they aren't dealing with extra upheaval in their families or tension and stress, already mm -hmm. they're in a, this limbo state where they are children, they aren't adults. They're expected to <clears throat> act mature Mm -hmm. but they're still being treated like children. So yeah. it's a very tough spot to be in. And then you add all this other, you know, you're trying to figure out where you fit in the world with your friends. Yep. And now your family is also not a very stable place. Yep. So, oh, yeah. Completely, completely, completely. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. Those years are hard enough to begin with um, for, for an awful lot of kids. Yeah. Um, so and you throw the, the family unstableness and it, it just kind of, it kind of mixes the pot even a little bit more. And, uh, you know. I I really thank you for creating, you know, for the work that you've done and now for finding a way to share this to reach more. I think it's important that adults read this for the reasons that you've mentioned and, get, you know, get this in the hands of teens. And that might be the channel is it'll be the adults that read it and right. then share it, you know, maybe an auntie, for example, that's, observing yeah. um yeah. you know their niece or nephew is dealing with something like this um i i appreciate your time today to allow us to get to know you and uh to share this resource that is amazing i will be adding the link for that to the resource page that i'm building on the website it's not ready yet but that will be definitely a re resource that we will share there and as well in the show notes for this episode we will have information about how people can find this. Uh, just fantastic. Do you have any parting thoughts that you would like to share with people? Uh, no, just, you know, I mean, 
hang in there and be patient. <laughs> don't don't let your own uh, for, for the parents. Don't let your own. Uh, uh, I don't know how much a word. I can't think of what a word I want to use, but uh, allow your kids to be themselves. Accept the fact that their kids are not going to be perfect. You know, they're, they're going to screw up. Um, you know, accept them. Not that there don't need to be limits and boundaries. You know, you you can't buy them out. <laughs> you know, you you, you got got to let them make their mis let them make their mistakes and let them face the consequences. But but be a little accepting the fact that that, that they're going through some stuff, and don't beat yourself up because you're okay. You, you got a divorce. Okay, it, it happens. You know, if your kids are unhappy, and maybe part of, maybe a lot of it is because of what happened between you and your spouse. But don't beat yourself up either because if you beat yourself up, the kids are going to see that, and you know you. They, they pick up on what you're going through too. That's, that's powerful. So be patient with yourself, be patient with uh, your kids, be yeah. patient with the process and, and reach out and ask. Yeah, yeah. Some help. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or a suggestion for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through whatever life changes you're facing. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine and Channel, and Divorce Resource Groups are intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine, and Life Changes Channel, as well as the Divorce Resource Groups, do not constitute endorsements for nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.